Welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Sarah Gump. Today's conversation is with Bill and Luann Regal. They share about Bill's journey with Parkinson's disease and how his life has changed since getting surgery. Enjoy this hope-filled conversation with your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and before I begin my conversation with today's guest, I want to thank you for being a faithful listener to the podcast and for sharing with me how the podcast has impacted you. I am very encouraged by your comments, and as I said before, if you know of a guest that I should consider for the program, please email me at mweinstein at cedarville.edu and let me know. And be sure to subscribe today to the podcast. Speaking of guests, wasn't last week's program with Jake Johnson, Cedarville's student body president, inspiring? With future leaders like Jake, I am optimistic for our future. And with that said, it's time to talk with today's guests, Dr. Bill and Luann Ragel. Bill is currently a professor of finance at Cedarville University, and Luann, who studied nursing at the Grant Otterbein School of Nursing, is a parish nurse in the village of Cedarville. In this role, she is providing key health service through the village's ministerial association. Dr. Rago is completing his 26th year on the faculty, which will also be his final year because in just a matter of a few weeks, he will be retiring, and I wish him the very best. Bill joined the faculty in 1995 after working for several years as a financial analyst for Texas Instruments, managing the financial reporting function for several Army and Air Force contracts. Before his role with Texas Instruments, he owned and operated a construction company in his home state of Texas. Throughout his professional life, Bill and Luann raised their son, Zachary, and daughter, Rebecca, both of whom are Cedarville graduates. And finally today, it's a special day for the podcast because this conversation is the very first podcast that we will record in person since COVID-19 forced us to work remotely last March and record interviews via Zoom. So it's great to have Bill and Luann Rego in the office today. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Mark. It's great to have you. And uh, so there's a lot of things I want to uh, talk about today. Uh, primarily, we're going to talk about um, the Parkinson's diagnosis, but that's down the road a little bit. But for starters, um, I am interested in learning how a Texan like Bill found his way to Ohio uh, for a job. How, how did that happen? Well, I was going to the University of North Texas working on my PhD, and about the time I was finishing that up, I just started looking in all the right places for looking for jobs of that nature, and Cedarville needed a finance professor. So I, I spoke with them, and the rest basically is history. So it was really your first time in higher ed, though, right? Because you, you own your own company. You worked for Texas Instruments. So this is your first entree into higher ed. Was that intimidating for you? No, that was not per se. Um, just I've had a very checkered past, as you note. <laughs> and um, I was married to this lovely lady here yeah. that you see here. She was from Ohio. And basically, I was looking for a job somewhere between Dallas and Columbus, and I got skewed a little bit toward the northeast there on that, and here we are. So is, is Cedarville home for you guys now? Do you consider yourselves Ohioans, and, or do you think you might move closer to Texas? Well, I've, uh, someone once asked me, you're a former Texan, aren't you? 
and I had to correct them right away. That mm-hmm. There is no such thing as a former Texan. However, I do have dual citizenship now <laughs> between Texas and Ohio. So how about you, dear? I think we're, we're staying here. Are your, do your children still live in this area? One of them does. One of them lives up in Clayton, just north of Dayton. Okay. So as I mentioned in the introduction, um, that Luann, you studied nursing at Grant Otterbein School of Nursing. Uh, how long have you been practicing nursing? You're still doing it. Yes, I uh, worked in the hospital uh, in Ohio and Texas for 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. And I worked for um, a nephrologist in Xenia for 15 years when we moved up here. And for the last eight or 10 years, I've been a Cedarville Parish nurse. Right. And it's not home health nursing. It's more um, connections and education type right. nursing. You're providing great service to people uh, in the village of Cedarville. Is, so. is it yeah. primarily just in the village of Cedarville? Uh, primarily. We have uh, occasionally reached out with when we get requests from other places. But Okay. So you, you said you've practiced here in Ohio and in Texas. I'm curious, how has the nursing profession, from your perspective, changed in that time period? Oh, it's changed a lot. <laughs> uh, you wouldn't be able to do nursing today. No, no I wouldn't because I have this uh, technology fear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Um, I'm not real good with computers, sure. so um, I wouldn't be able to work in a hospital. They used to call me white lightning because I was fast and efficient. Yeah. I, they would probably call me a mud splat now. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing great with technology in this interview with all the microphones <laughs> and the whatever in the, in the office. So let's fast forward to really the, the heart of the conversation today, and that's uh, Bill's career at Cedarville, which was going, as I understand, norm, fairly normally for you from a health perspective until... When did you notice things weren't uh, right or normal for you, health-wise? Well, 2013 was my actual diagnosis with the disease. However, for several months, six months maybe before that, I was noticing things that I didn't know were related to the disease, such as I couldn't taste anything or smell anything. Uh, I couldn't, uh, my right arm didn't swing right. It just kind of flopped around there when I was walking and things like that. And I, th- I think you've noticed, and several mm-hmm. people over in my department also noticed that I was uh, not walking particularly well. Uh, it affects your gait also. So, um, uh, what else? Any other disease? Any other? Is that all? It, it took it took you longer to process things. Okay. So now, like, if 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 you said that today, in COVID times, we, you lost your smell and your taste. We think mm-hmm. that we just right. had COVID. I uh, lost my smell and my taste before it was popular yeah. to do so. Yes. <laughs> I assume it's come back. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't It doesn't come back with my condition. Oh, it doesn't? It does with COVID, of course. Right, but, but so you, you can't smell or taste right now? No. That's, so that, that's good for my cooking. That is, well, <laughs> that, that is good. So you'll eat anything that someone serves you, right? Right, especially if it's ice cream or something. I still like <laughs> textures and stuff. I can still You get textures. Text. Yes. So when, Luann, um, when the diagnosis came down that um, Bill had Parkinson's, what, what first went through your head? Um, as a nurse, uh, first I got flashes of uh, Parkinson's patients I'd taken care of. Yeah. I think a lot of, both of us spent a, a good year in mourning. We mourned uh, being the sick grandparents. We mourned our future. Uh, we had a few plans. And we didn't know if those would happen. We mourned uh, if we were financially ready because it's a big hit. <laughs> uh, 
so personal and a lot of fear just am I going to be a young widow am I going to be you know it's just a lot of unknowns feared a lot of unknowns prior to the diagnosis I know Bill stayed quite active he played the guitar played racquetball probably played other things did other things but that was becoming increasingly difficult to the point that you stopped playing how concerning was this for you Bill I knew something was wrong, obviously, because I couldn't play guitar as well as I used to. But um, I largely had all, had I had not been playing guitar for several years anyway. Mm-hmm. And the the racquetball, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that I ever lost my edge in racquetball. I've been, I've always been good in racquetball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, about the time that I was I was diagnosed, though, these the problems with my gait and so forth. Were, were manifesting themselves more. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, that translated onto the racquetball court as well. Um, so I still I still did it. I don't know that I was at world-class level at that time, though. So Yeah, but you were, you were at Cedarville class level, so you still could, pe- could beat the people that you were playing with. Yes. Uh, I came in second, I think, in uh, either doubles or singles about three or four times okay. in racquetball, intramurals. So. so, and you saw him declining over time. So, did you ever think he would be able to play sports or play the guitar again? No, I didn't. His tremor became increasingly worse. And the longer you're on the uh, star medicine for Parkinson's, it's called carbidopa levodopa, or uh, cinnamon is the other name. The longer you're on that, uh, one of the side effects is dyskinesias, where you get wild movements. People mm-hmm. think that's the Parkinson's, but it's actually a side effect, more more a side effect of the medication. Okay. So he was getting more and more of those. You know, we'd watch TV at night and he's moving every place. And, you know, I, I never, I just saw it going down yeah. and down. So how did you deal with that emotionally? Uh, probably poorly. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, until, uh, and I don't, this is kind of jumping ahead in the story, but um, when we had heard of deep brain stimulation surgery before mm-hmm. and um, had kind of always said, we'll never do that because it's messing with your brain. Um, right. And we thought it was a last ditch effort yes. to try to yes. preserve some sort of normalcy. And that's not the case, right? No. That is not no, the case. We misunderstood entirely. Right. Our daughter in love, uh, Katie Lawson, yep. actually graduated from Cedarville and went on to Regis University to get her uh, doctorate in physical therapy. Mm-hmm. She came home in... in uh, 2019 Thanksgiving, and uh, s- suggested that we rethink it, re- relook at it. And so in January, we had an appointment with his neurologist, and she said, uh, I think you would be a wonderful candidate for deep brain stimulation surgery. So to get back to your question before I go into that, I at that point, I just got the brilliant idea of Googling do not fear verses in the Bible. And I came up with about 145. There's probably a whole lot more. <laughs> but uh, I started, and I, I still do it. Uh, every day I start with three of them and just try to meditate with, on them throughout the day. And I really, I'm really surprised. I shouldn't be, but I'm really surprised at how much of a difference it made mm-hmm. in my attitude. That yeah. Because many of those verses will go on in, at some place in it and say, besides do not fear, because I am with you. Right. So it doesn't really matter what happens, and a lot of different things can happen, but God is with me. And you're still doing that today? I'm still doing that today. Interestingly, I'll just stick this in there. Sure. June 24th, when he had his surgery, my verse for that day, one of them, 
was uh, Joshua 1.9, yeah. which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was just a tender mercy of the Lord to make that. I mean, because I didn't pick that verse for that day. It just showed up. It yeah. was just, he picked it for you. Yes. Dealing with a very difficult, difficult situation that both of you are, are involved in, how did your faith in Jesus sustain you during, I mean, you just, you just said one way, Bible verses, but were there other ways that he made himself known to you that carried you through uh, a journey, a difficult situation? She mentioned a while ago um, about this year of uh, going through a grief process that we we had. Yeah. Uh, I I just remember myself one day um, I was praying about it and thinking about it and God what are you going to do here what do you want to do here and the uh, the realization came to me I guess would be a good way to put it uh, okay Bill would you be better able to glorify God by saying God healed me of this disease right. or would you would it bring more glory to God to say I have this disease, and God is with me, and He's seeing me through it, and leading me, as she said, to the not fear kind of kind of zone. There, so that was that was a major turning point for me, which is recognizing God may never change this. He, but He, but I am going to be praying that He will continue to glorify Himself. Right. If that means life or death, if that means Parkinson's or no, whatever. Right. I know you shared that with the. Uh, area Rotary Club that you spoke to. That was a great um, encouragement to some of us, a lot of us. Um, was there ever a point in either of your journeys with Parkinson's that you got angry with God? I don't think so. I don't think did he you? did, and I can't remember exactly when I did, but that would be my modus of operation, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, we've served you, we've done We've tried to live how you want us to live, and this is the thanks we get, right. which isn't a very good attitude. It's a horrible attitude. But um, I, but it was real at the time. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it lasted very long. I would like to say that um, Bill's leadership in keeping us focused on the Lord has really, at least for me, shown through all of this beca- yeah. because it's really easy for me to get discouraged or whatever, and he... I'm sure he feels some of that, but especially since that first year, which was horrible, he's really um, led the way as far as, you know, the Lord's got this, and he's going to see us through it. That's a great testimony to to your faith and, and journey with Jesus. So going back to the, you, you've changed your mind. Katie has come alongside and encouraged you. Katie was, I, yes. I worked with yes. Katie in admissions, and so she encouraged you, and you did change your mind and considered it. Walk us through all that from when you change your mind to consider it to, okay, you're going to make that decision. You're going to proceed with this operation. Walk us through that situation. It wasn't so much a, a change of mind about what I was going to do with the the idea of the procedure, but it was uh, getting a better understanding of what it actually is. Because yeah. as I said, we just thought it was, when you get down, you can't do anything else, go get your brain surgery, you know? Right. And um, so when... Uh, she pointed out what it actually was. I don't know. It probably became too much of part of my focus at that time. Uh, oh boy, this would be this would be great. I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be better. I'm going to get over this. Right. And God's going to use this, and He's going to heal me. But um, I focused too much then on what might happen to the disease itself, rather than focusing on what God was 
was and what he was doing in this situation. So basically in January of 2020, um, when we saw the neurologist, there's an extensive period of testing you have to go through. Okay. Uh, first of it is an MRI, which he's had a couple of those just to make sure there's no tumors or whatever going on. And then they do extensive psychological testing. I mean, it's like four to six hours sometimes. And that is basically to make sure there's no dementia, because mm -hmm. if there is, they won't do it. Okay. Um, and we, we mentioned earlier, it's not a last ditch effort. You still have to be making dopamine in your body to, mm -hmm. um, which we didn't realize, that's why we thought it was last ditch. You have to still be making some to help it work. So the third big thing was an on-off study where um, you have an appointment, probably in the morning, you'd stop your carbidopa levodopa 12 hours before, and uh, you go into your appointment, they evaluate you off your medicine, and then um, have you take your medicine, wait an hour, and reevaluate you, and you have to pass their, they have you do all these things with your fingers and your feet and walk and dip gait and different things, and you have to pass with a 30% imp uh, improvement rate mm -hmm. uh, to, to pass that test. And um, that just shows that if you, re if you respond at least that much, it means that you'll respond, you should respond well to the deep brain surgery. That's how we, we, how we faced that was we just said at every test, Lord, if you want us to keep walking through this open door, then just, you know, he has to pass. And he passed them all with flying colors. So we just took it from the Lord mm -hmm. that we would continue. And did you go into this procedure thinking, initially you were thinking this was maybe a last ditch effort. You now know that's not the case. Did your mind go to, okay, this is going to cure me? Was that your hope initially or... Or not? Not really. I think I'd um, reconcile myself to the fact that I wasn't going to be cured of the disease. Okay. Um, I think if, if God wanted to do that, He could have done that already. So. Sure. Um, however, you know, if He wants to, that's fine. Um, so I wasn't. I wasn't really thinking in those terms. I was just thinking improvement and better quality of life at that time. Right. And that's really what this does, right? That's yes, that's right. the best case scenario, a better quality mm -hmm. life for a, little bit, for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. what we say is it's not a cure, it's a reprieve. Right. And one that we're very grateful for. Um, the neurologist says, you know, most people have five or 10 more good years after that. So, right. And maybe some more, but. I know, a, I know a, a lady, she was a friend of ours from Pennsylvania where we used to live, and she had the same surgery back in, we lived there, and, in the 90s and the early 2000s. So she probably got it, let's say 2000. And she just passed away maybe a year or two ago. So it gave her and her husband a much longer time together, uh, quality year. Some at the end weren't as great, but uh, so there's hope. So with that as a backdrop, how do you embrace this, this reprieve that you guys have to live together and to serve the Lord? Every day has to be really special for you guys. <laughs> yes. yes, it does. Um, we, uh, well, even before that, we had decided we needed to travel. So we've, okay. um, basically when we got our diagnosis, he, he was, cause you know, he's Mr. Finance. Everything was, we have to um, save our money. And I said, well, honey, it's this way. I'm either gonna spend it with you or without you, but I am going to spend it. And at that point he came around to my way of thinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, smart. So we started taking uh, trips, Israel, uh, China, just lots of different places, Alaska, Hawaii, Hawaii uh -huh. Grand Canyon. And we had one plan for Ireland and Scotland, but COVID. So we don't know if we'll get there yet. But so we've done more of that. We purpose to interact with our children just to make sure, I mean, 
sometimes not that we never did before but sometimes that slides if you don't think you know right. yeah so just to make sure that we are right now the fun grandparents right um while we can be anyway there's not a competition either. oh well no but but we are trying hard <laughs> i'm sure you're the coolest grandparents oh yeah that your grandkids how many grandkids do you have we we have uh two uh granddaughters and a grandson on the way and who are the parents uh becca, becca. and her husband okay Great. okay yeah so, um, yeah, I, I agree with your, your assessment that, like you said, you're going to spend it with him or without him. Um, time together it has to be the most precious time that you ha or thing that you have. And so to, and I, I think about the same thing as it relates to my parents who are getting older. They're in their mid to late 80s. And uh, as much time as I can spend with them, I need to because I won't have that time again. So I encourage you to continue to travel and just... Uh, do what you guys are doing. So um, as we move toward uh, the end of the podcast, uh, I'm interested, how has your life changed as a result of the diagnosis, the surgery, where you are today? Well, the the uh, diagnosis, of course, led to a, a pretty steep downhill climb or downhill decline, I suppose, because, um, well, my my colleagues over in the finance department, over in the business department here, we're noticing things like I think you said you noticed some yeah. of the things. Yeah. My gait was off, and yeah. I was walking slowly. I wasn't. I wasn't looking good. No. I wasn't looking good even to me. Uh, go ahead and say that I look great now, Mark. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll tell you this. When I saw you pre-surgery, and I didn't even know you were having it, I, I was really concerned. And when I saw you for the first time post-surgery, it was light years different. You 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 look great. You walk great. You had life. You had energy. It made a world of difference in you. I was so thrilled to see that. Good. You said I look great. That's what everybody's supposed to say now. So. <laughs> he loves it when people tell him that. <laughs> um, uh, before surgery, he was uh, sleeping in the morning, in the afternoon, right. in the evening, and then at night. I mean, he, his energy levels were low. He um, processed and thinking things was really slow. He just wasn't. He wasn't much fun to be around. Huh. <laughs> That's, it was just uh, it was sure. hard, and you're trying to stay upbeat, so he'll stay upbeat. And that has to be hard on you. It kind of was. <laughs> but well, then beyond the, the surgery, of course, it's just as you, as you described. I was so much improved that. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to give a shout out to our kids. Our son is a Cedarville yeah. University graduate, and he's um, an ER nurse in Oklahoma. He came home the weekend of the surgery, and our daughter is an ICU nurse in um, Dayton and she was over and you know basically um, he had the surgery one day and we brought him home the next day uh -huh. and I for the next month I treated him more like a patient than a mm -hmm. husband because right. that's just where my mind went and right. he was um, he slept a lot which is normal after brain surgery and he was um, pretty confused couldn't figure out how to use his phone couldn't figure out the TV and I kept telling myself this is normal this is normal and it was right. but it's still I kept thinking if I wasn't a nurse this would really shake me up and right. if my kids weren't here and they're much much better nurses than I am yeah. if they weren't here and saying it's okay mom this is normal and you know Zach could even joke around because that's Zach um, it was it, uh, it could have been for me a whole lot worse than it was if I didn't have the support from my kids right. and um, just my nursing background. Yeah, so uh, Bill is probably still much, somewhat out of it. When did, in your mind, did you shift from being really, really concerned this might not have worked to I see this is gonna work 
And I, every actually every day we saw a little bit improvement. So it was probably at, at least a month <laughs> before uh, I was convinced in my mind it was going to be okay. He had the surgery June 24th on July 8th. They turned him on. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, they put these probes in his head. A wire yeah. goes down behind his left ear, and he's got a. Uh, like Better a pacer, yeah, yeah, in his chest. And when they turned it on, you could actually see his tremor stop. Serious. It was it was just, in my eyes, miraculous. And then for the next two or three, four months, it's kind of a dance between adjusting his medicines and the stimulation. His, he was taking um, 14. 14 pills a day before surgery. And now he's down to five. And if he didn't, you know, we had to find the right place in the adjustment because if we didn't he was we called it being very 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 happy he was manic <laughs> yeah. uh, and so we you know again just nursing knowing that seeing that knowing that uh, he's spent a little money here or he's telling kind of it, it just helped as a nurse knowing that that was all normal for that so anyway I, I forget the question now but <laughs> it was so if someone's listening to this program today and you know they're in they're in your situation whether it's now actually they're they're in the situation before the surgery what what advice would you give any person dealing with parkinsons what what advice would you give I have lots of advice can i give it <laughs> sure go for yeah. it yeah, go for it okay so it's it is the most important more important thing you can do is when you pick a neurologist pick a movement disorder specialist yeah. all neurologists are not MDSs, and that's mm -hmm. really important. They treat Parkinson's totally differently than someone who's not. Um, Delay the Disease is an excellent exercise program. Bill still does it every day at home. He's done it every day since the first week I got we got our diagnosis, and he's the only day he missed was the day he had surgery. He says he's fighting for his life, and he is. Right. Another good program is Big and Loud Therapy. Um, the, the big part is more exercise, but the loud part, especially for someone who uses their voice for um, their job, it, uh, Parkinson's will take your voice from you. And yes, so that was, there's another thing that I noticed early on. I had to drink water, hot water and honey all through class just to try and get through that. Really? So, yeah. so just exercise, um, playing racquetball. He's, he's into pickleball now and yep. uh, he loves it. It's walking, biking, uh, rock steady boxing is another good program. Um, medication, a lot of people fight getting on the carbidopa levodopa because of the dyskinesias, but it really, really, really is the best medicine for Parkinson's. And not only that, if you have Parkinson's and you haven't taken the medications, you, you, you have to take them at least four years before they'll uh, consider you for the surgery. You need to have, be diagnosed and be taking those medications for four years mm -hmm. right. before they'll consider doing that surgery. Um, Mediterranean diet, I can't say that we actually follow that because he doesn't have a lot of stomach problems with his Parkinson's, but some people do, and it really is the best diet for Parkinson's. For uh, the care person, uh, a support group is vital. Sure. Um, I joined an online uh, caregiver support group for specifically for Parkinson's, and it helped me uh, see where we are, where we've been, where we're going, and and if they're negative posts, I just ignore them. Right. <laughs> um, so if, if Bill had not been exercising, especially all those years before deep brain stimulation surgery, he would not 
have been in any shape to have that surgery. Mm -hmm. Not that you have to be in any kind of physical shape, but he, Parkinson's was just taking him down even with exercising. Uh, he would yeah. not have been in any yeah. shape to do that. Yeah. So um, prayer is really important. Our church was very supportive um, before his surgery. Um, Craig and Kathy Miller, our pastor and his wife, came over and prayed with him. Uh, an elder and four of his really good friends came over and prayed over him. Yeah. And, and they have been very, very supportive. Can't say enough good yeah. about that either. That's great. Thanks for sharing those, yeah. those words of wisdom. I, I have one, time for one question. I'm going to point it to, to Bill. So at the, at the core of, of this podcast, um, we say our purpose is to tell Cedarville stories for God's glory. So how do you hope or, or know that your life is bringing God glory? As I mentioned earlier, um, how is God going to be more glorified? By healing me or by mm -hmm. taking me through this disease? And it seems like many times, not just me, but Christians in general, that uh, we have to go through the fires. We have to go through the, through the deep waters. Right. And there, God proves himself to be with us. And I'll, I, the way I probably was thinking about it, and many people do tend to think about it, is if God loved me, he'd heal me. Right. And that's often not the case. And that, I think, is because um, the, the disease itself is a tool that God wants to use in our lives mm -hmm. to make us more like himself. Yeah. And so that's that's what he's been doing in me through this process is uh, how does, um, let me see, God deals with us as with sons. It says in Hebrews, God deals with us as with sons. And I want to protect my child, but I don't want to overprotect my child and not let them make any decisions and, any, and things like that because they need to be getting ready for, for adulthood. Right. So um, that's the way that God's working in their lives, in my life, and... Um, and it's, it's very much the, the way that he deals with his children. It's, he's just showing us the way that he deals with his children in that. So, yeah. um, And a friend of ours uh, recently has gone through some, some hard times, too. And she said something that I've kind of latched on to as well. And she said, I'm 80 years old, and I'm just now learning how much God loves me and how much God is in control of everything that's mm -hmm. in my life. And, you know, we, we, don't, we don't get there. We just, we try to... We give maybe uh, serve, lip service to it, right? But we don't uh, really grasp it until we're going through deep, deep and challenging times. Yeah, well said. And you are going through the refiner's fire. Mm -hmm. uh, your life has been, and it's encouraging to see the new Bill Regal, you know, the one sitting in front of me with mm -hmm. with life and energy and passion, and and Luann, uh, your wife and. Uh, my prayer is that uh, as the Lord continues to take you on this journey, that you continue to be faithful. I know you will be to him. And for the remaining years of your life, you um, serve him with great passion and energy. It's a, it's a joy for the next few weeks probably to, to call you a colleague because I know you're retiring soon. So I just wish you the very best. Travel a lot and enjoy your kids and, and serve the Lord with gladness. So thanks for joining me on the podcast. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories Podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.